Friday, April 30th, almost midnight, uh, Andrei Bruslavsky, New York City. This episode will be about how to look at contemporary art or art in general. What kind of attitude I, as a professional artist, since, you know, age 16, I had a first show, but then I went to Academy of Visual Arts, I was 18. And so how to approach these other things hanging on the walls, sitting in the galleries, in the museums. So here you are, you know, you, you go to a museum, you're in a big city and it's a big collection, amazing artworks. I'm taking a bath again because I can relax and, uh, and I have time and just elaborate on a specific subject. So you, you, you are in a museum and you, you, you go to Renaissance. Let's say you go to Renaissance paintings, right? And you walk around and you see uh, this and the other. The objective is, you have to understand, these people got paid a lot of money to paint that one little painting. Really tiny little one. Uh, for an altarpiece size, I don't know, 30 inches by 40 inches. And they painted it for two years. And after they were done, the whole city of Florence had a parade. They had a festival because this artist got paid from a city fund a lot of money. You can buy a house. You can, you can buy a house, like a million dollar house. And the whole city is celebrating because they believe this artist has divine purpose in his life. He doesn't eat, he doesn't sleep, he's like a monk, you understand? He doesn't care about anything, he just paints, paints, paints. There was another side of the medal, many of those artists were monks, but they were belligerent alcoholics and womanizers, and there was a lot of things going on, you know, that history, in the Renaissance there was a writer called Vasari, Giorgio Vasari, he also painted artwork and he was friends of all the biggest, most important people. And he tried to incorporate their names in his books as he wrote the lives of artists of his times. He wrote about Michelangelo. I recommend Giorgio Vasari. It's, it's, it's a book you must read if you want to be full-time artist. How, uh, how Vasari, being an artist, describes other artists, okay? But overall, I also recommend you find on the internet quotes from famous artists. There's a little tiny book, about 120 pages, statements Pablo Picasso made, another little book, only 100 statements. They weren't as talkative as myself or Vincent van Gogh or Kandinsky or who else was really big on talking. Paul Klee, he was a teacher at Bauhaus School of Design, a very bizarre painter, but in the 1920s and 30s, but in, after Second World War, he inspired the whole movement in Netherlands called Cobra Group, was inspired by this spiritualism and symbolism deriving from Paul Klee. Otherwise, Paul Klee's paintings are really hard to understand. They're very primitive. Okay, let's go back to Renaissance. So here you are, staring at, uh, I don't know, Botticelli or some other guy, you have to understand, this, this artist is talking about specific ideas in his own style. What were the ideas? Well, the, the dogma and the sponsor at the time was Catholic Church. So the artist had no choice but to paint pornography. No, no, I'm kidding. 
for for nude paintings he had private sponsors so they were painting like three four women nude and then nude man bacchanalia it's it's a good excuse to have porn hanging uh life-size paintings in your dining room one of my collectors actually bought this huge reclining figure with her legs spread out and they big in real estate in connecticut and they hang it in their dining room. It was, what, 60 inches by 80 inches. It was huge. Oh, my God. So uh, you, you, you have to understand the circumstances and the environment where this painting was created. Your job as a creative person is to transcend time because art spiritually transcends time because it shows you symbols that transcend time although what is depicted there is jesus on the cross or the you know the temptations or etc etc it's human feelings art always transcends how the artist felt about those ideas. You know, 16 Chapel, the ceiling in 16 Chapel, this is Michelangelo's statement, what he thought about Catholic ideas and Reformation and Counter-Reformation, which was happening in his times. And his, the Pope was his friend, his childhood friend. So that's why he got this gig. And a lot of people, you know, hated the, the, what he painted on the ceiling. But hey, you know, the Pope asked him to, and this is it. So what I'm trying to say is, this is your job to open your mind to other artists' message. You look at cave paintings from 25,000 years ago, 35,000 years ago, 3,000-year-old Gilgamesh statues or some something, something. You're supposed to feel spirituality and the meaning and the impact this sculpture had on thousands of people for thousands of years. It was standing there and people were on their knees by the thousands praying to this idol, okay? So for them, the God meant uh, Osiris or Isis, but they were praying, you know, millions of people were on their knees and sacrificing goats and bulls to this statue. Because, you know, the concept of God, Osiris or something, even if the priest is wearing a mask, they had a real show in Egypt. It's still hard to understand what really Osiris or Isis is. Isis is Aphrodite, Ishtar, Venus. It's the female forces of reproduction. You know, basically women being horny because they want to reproduce. So this is what Isis and, and Ishtar is. There's an unstoppable forces of nature, desire to reproduce, to, 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 to make more species, more humans and less zebras. And people still don't understand it. They look at, you know, Statue of Venus and they say, wow, hot chick. They think, oh, proportions, oh, classical proportions. <coughs> it's beyond that. It's more than that. It's the forces of nature. That's what is depicted. That's what gods represent. <clears throat> to be to be bold about it, <clears throat> the whole mythology, Greek mythology, and later Roman mythology, and later European <clears throat> interpretation of of Bible and Christianity is based on human feelings. Christianity raped people, forced people to believe in one God, and one of his sons came to to planet Earth and taught something: love, basically, how to love. Jesus taught love. And nobody understood, even the stupid disciples he had didn't really understand him. 
and they crucified him. You know, local authorities decided that he's a menace, and they decided to, 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 to kill him. They chose to kill Jesus instead of, what's his name, Barbarossa? No, no. B, 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 you know, the serial killer. So the serial killer went free and they killed Jesus because they considered the, the priest considered him more dangerous. So what I'm trying to say, when you're in a museum or contemporary art gallery, let's take, you walk into a gallery and some shit is hanging on the walls. You think to yourself, what is this thing? You know, the whole canvas is blank and there are three yellow dots and it says... Uh, spring uh, breakfast in Paris, 1973. You look at this shit and you think to yourself, where is Paris? Where is breakfast? Where is spring? There are three yellow dots. Okay? So you're being de facto. And then you read artist bio and maybe there is a statement. There should be a statement artist makes about this particular show and in general about his his uh, career. He's a minimalist and he, this is what he expresses. This is his language of expression. By going to many galleries, contemporary galleries, you will understand that there are thousands of artists in New York City. If I'm not mistaken, back in 1999, my accountant told me, you know, statistically there are 100,000 people, individuals, who are filing their taxes as full-time artists in New York City, 100,000 artists. <clears throat> many of them have shows in the galleries. And of course, many of them are dancers and musicians, but let's talk about the, the visual arts. So you have to understand that every one of these artists can develop a very powerful language of expression and the subject matters that he's interested and he's talking about, and this is it. And and there is a certain, you know, uh, public opinion about this artist. He's aesthetically pleasing, and the art galleries are showing his artwork, and the museums inquire about his artwork. So he's on a roll. You understand? He's being Mr. Popular. But your job as a creative artist to open your mind and try to inhale, try to transcend all the walls you might have uh, in your head uh, regarding, you know, your own judgments, like you, you hate minimalism or you hate cubism or you hate expressionism, whatever. Try to let go all I hate. Just say to yourself, I don't understand because this is the truth. You don't understand why Vincent van Gogh was painting as they said in his times, the only one newspaper article that <laughs> appeared, there is a madman, they even didn't mention his name, who paints with a broom. So his paintings look like they're painted with a broom. He was exhibiting sunflowers. So you, you, you look at it and you, you try to understand what was his reasoning behind those colors and those brush strokes and the subject matters that he picked and uh, try to read about it, uh, you know, research. By understanding another person's mind, you will understand yourself. You will go back to your studio and you will have a clearer picture of where you are, what you're doing. You understand? But while you're out there in the museum, in the gallery, you went out there to make social connections, perhaps, to promote you, yourself and your art, but you are there to sink in as a sponge, you understand? When you're visiting big city, when there are museums, you, you don't waste time, you know, sitting on a bench and, 
and talking to a stranger, you go to a museum. Don't waste your time. You understand? When I was in high school, I didn't waste a minute of my time. Any opportunity I had was drawing, painting, learning about art. There was no time to waste. So uh, this is your job as a creative person also to be inquisitive about new poetry, contemporary poetry, what's happening in the literature. Because often new ideas, new directions in philosophy and human thinking are spring out in poets' minds. It's actually the poet who starts writing poetry about... I don't know, panspermia, you know, ancient origins and, you know, DNA and the science and going to Mars. And the poet will open, help you to open your mind to contemporary ideas. Because what we know today about the universe, we didn't know it 100 years ago, 400 years ago. Paintings are spiritual. Paintings on caves transcend certain symbols and certain beliefs. And of course, high level of beauty and mastership, but they didn't know the biology. They knew nothing about genetics. You understand? So these people thought reincarnation is because this kid is behaving so badly because he had previous life where he was a thief and a criminal. So now he's paying in this life and it's all BS because now we know it's pure genetics. You inherit half of your behavior in your actual DNA. There are so many studies. So all this idea of reincarnating being Cleopatra, every woman I met in my life, she was Cleopatra. So I guess there were thousands of Cleopatra, well, hundreds of Cleopatras uh, back then. And every man I met, you know, he claimed to be Alexander the Great of heck knows what previous lifetimes. So what I'm trying to tell, nobody wants to be a slave. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, those new ideas, the, the contemporary world, the age of artificial intelligence is, is a new age. You know, our artists who painted abstract expressionism in 1950s, the Kooning, Pollock, Rodko, they, they didn't know shit we know today. They were sort of still dwelling in a 19th century philosophers. They were reading books, not even philosophers from 1930s. They, they, this is your job to be upbeat to the latest thought in human civilization and human culture. And that's supposed to inspire you to create your stuff, your whatever you create, poetry, music, sculpture, movies you make. You're supposed to be inspired by new things, ideas, basically, not things, ideas. The ideas are available everywhere. Everybody who has an idea, they're bragging about it all over the place. Sometimes they're being suppressed by religious establishments, of course, because that's their job to suppress new ideas and to keep it status quo. So you need to know that. So you need to find those new ideas. Uh, some of them are not in the universities. Giordano Bruno believed some ridiculous things. He was a, he was a deist uh, or pantheist. You know, he believed everything is God. And he was talking about planets around those stars you see in the sky and life uh, on those planets. And he was burned at the stake. So sometimes new ideas are burned on a stake. They, they're just society that doesn't accept it. 
And I'm not telling you, you you're going to be a sage to the point where society will crucify you. Look at Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan? Yeah, Bob Dylan. He, he, he made a huge mark in, in our culture. His songs are like a real bard. He was singing the truth about human nature of his times. And after 50 years, we know that his songs are still make sense. Another guy from Canada, Leonard Cohen. He was singing his poetry. Uh, Barely would call it singing. He was basically talking his He was telling a story. He was not much of a singer. He doesn't have a voice, but he, he has a melody, sense of melody. So, so Leonard Cohen is an inspiration for all pop music. Yes. If you didn't know that, I will testify to that. Every rock star today will say, will tell you, Leonard Cohen is their godfather. They create... So what I'm trying to tell you, you need to reach out and see what's happening in today's world. I'm not saying to copy anything. Anything. No, please, God's sake, don't copy anybody anytime. You need to learn drawing, and there is a way of learning drawing very persistently by copying line after line, especially Peter Paul Rubens. His drawings are showing the line very well. Drawings by Rembrandt are very hard to copy. Drawings by Michelangelo and Peter Paul Rubens are more accessible for beginner artists. You, you see the line, you see the line and you can make the same line. And this is the idea. So you understand the artist's thinking, kitchen, how things are done. So this is why I encourage you to study those drawings and make few copies on a small size. They're not artwork in themselves. You're, you're learning the line, how to draw the line, because there are thousands of different varieties of lines. And you will understand that after you copy few, you will realize you know shit. You know shit. <laughs> if you started painting five years ago, you know shit. <laughs> <clears throat> so this is the approach you should have about the visual art world around you. Another important thing, there is no competition between artists. If you meet somebody who tells you he's competing with other artists, he's probably envious, greedy, a-hole. Stay away from this person. They will steal your ideas without knowing what, what you are talking about. I actually had my ideas stolen in 24 hours by very famous Russian artists, conceptualists, and they hang it right on the trade show in Palm Beach in 2012. You understand? And so you're, they will steal your ideas, but they're not gonna be successful because it's just, it's BS. It's like you painting in the style of Andy Warhol and trying to make a couple dollars. So you might make a couple dollars, but you're gonna poison yourself. You're gonna feel like shit and years will go by. You're not gonna buy a million dollar house. You will barely pay your rent and people will not call you again to buy another one. They will not recommend you to their neighbors because this is not, they, they, the people understand this. You're painting in the style of Andy Warhol, so this is not really art. You sign it with your name, but it looks like Andy Warhol because because that's what people wanted you to paint and they didn't want to pay, you know, a million dollars. So they, they paid you $2,000 and here it is on canvas, real paint. 
you don't want to do that because that's prostitution. You know, you, you want to follow your gut. It's better to follow your gut feelings, your own creative process, your own self-discovery, because the joy of creation is the actual process of self-discovery, discovering the next step, the next step. And it goes on and on. Infinitesimus. Then you realize you know shit. <laughs> like Socrates said, I know I know nothing. So after a few 20 years, 30 years, you will realize I know nothing. And you will start from scratch. And this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be reincarnated, reborn in this life. You understand? You're supposed to come to new existence as in consciousness. You understand? So you're supposed to make a revolutionary step once in a while. In traditional societies, you know, for thousands of years, there were specific times of human man's life and woman's life when kids were initiated into uh, hunters, into fatherhood, into marriage, into retirement, into grandchildren. There were, there were actual celebrations. Yes! Native American Indians would hang themselves with the skin on a hook, and it's called a sun dance. What do you think that was all about? Were they crazy? Well, guess what? You need to be tested in order to be admitted to the to the club of the of the privileged ones. Not everyone is allowed to enter, you know, Masonic temple. If you if you want to belong to a certain society of certain beliefs or belong to a sect of original artists, you need to you know cross your mind. You need to exceed yourself every day. You need to become different. Realize you're different, not become different. You're fucking different because you're listening to this podcast. You're already labeled certified different. <laughs> so this is your definition of being different. So don't be surprised you're different. Everyone is fucking different. They're just too shy to admit it. You are not shy to admit it because you know you are a creative person. You just need to focus and discipline yourself on creativity and not on bullshit. So instead of drinking beer and smoking pot with your friends, focus on creativity. Don't waste a single fucking day. I'm telling you, I'm over 50 years old. I raised three daughters. They graduated colleges. They have very good jobs. You don't want to waste, because the greatest treasure in human life is not real estate. It's not how big is your studio. It's not whether you're going to travel the world and see the Great Pyramids. No, it's not space. It's not space. Bacteria is fighting for space. We humans, we fight with time. We actually try to grab on time. My second wife, one of the smartest, most beautiful women in the world, she always used to say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. So that was her saying. So we used to party till late at night. So what I'm trying to tell you, don't waste your time. Doctors recommend you must have a deep sleep, eight hours and three meals a day. B.S. Fucking BS. Going hungry one day a week will cleanse your system and will engage your body to start burning your bacon. And at least once a week, it's recommended not to eat. Why do you think Muslims have Ramadan and they don't eat all day? Why? 
Is it stupid? No! It's endurance. Endurance. And humble admission to Lord, Creator. It's, it's a complicated holiday. It's not just about food. It's about human endurance. But, but it cleanses your body. In every traditional religion and tradition, Ayurveda is over 11,000 years old. So contemporary doctors telling you sleep eight hours and eat three meals a day is BS. They're trying to sell you McDonald's shit because they know you can't afford anything better. The best food is fresh vegetables, okay? Fresh vegetables cooked or boiled, not fried. Meat is not very good for you. Twice a week is fine, but otherwise chicken, the fucking chicken we have in the United States, <laughs> they have three heads. <laughs> this is not just genetically altered. This is full of antibiotics and hormones shit. All the milk we drink here is full of fucking hormones. So we don't have very healthy food supply, you understand? Now there's this new law my friend told me and he's gonna open a liquor company in South North Carolina because supermarkets are not allowed to buy and wholesale, food wholesalers are not allowed to sell vegetables that are not standard size. So basically you have a box of tomatoes and everyone, the apples, everyone needs to be the same size, the same shit. So if one tomato is bigger, then, then it goes to trash. Or one tomato is too small, it goes to trash. So my friend is going to make alcohol out of it. <laughs> Funny, no? <laughs> Free shit and just make booze and charge a lot of money. But what I'm trying to tell you, unfortunately, in our society, what am I talking about? 25 minutes of bullshit? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Well, basically, open your mind to, to other minds, you know, other artists' minds, because artwork is a window to artists' mind. I make those schizophrenic drawings for a very specific purpose, you understand? So you listen artist's thoughts while he's creating, and you realize what it takes to create a small, silly, stupid drawing for one minute or three minutes, whatever. You understand? So this is why you go to contemporary galleries and museums, to understand another human mind. Not understand it logically, but to feel it. Feel it. Thank you.